Hi, and welcome to the Ministry Network Podcast. I'm your host, James Baird. Today, we'll be talking with Dr. David Murray about burnout. Ministry Network just launched a new teaching series called Behind the Pulpit with teachers like John Piper, Timothy Keller, Alistair Begg, Conrad Mbewe, and many more. To check out the new series, visit ministrynetwork.com forward slash behind the pulpit. Now, let's talk with Dr. Murray. Well, before we get started, would you mind opening us up in a word of prayer? Sure, sure, James. Yep. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for this amazing opportunity to communicate from two offices to hundreds, maybe even thousands of studies and ministers and their families, and even to to transform lives, to save ministries, to improve ministries, to restore joy to ministries, to help congregations even to be more sensitive to the needs of their pastors. There's just so much good that could be done with your blessing, Lord. And therefore, we pray for James and I as we try to put this package together that will, we trust, bless many. We ask for clarity. We ask for simplicity. We ask for sympathy and kindness and for wisdom as we seek to bring all the resources you've provided in your word and in your world to the healing of the burned out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dr. Murray, thank you so much for joining us here on Ministry Network. It's a joy for me to be with you. I'm glad we're going to talk about this important subject. Me too. Well, you've written a wonderful set of books on burnout. Uh, Reset, and then you, I believe you co-authored Refresh with your wife, is that correct? That's right, yeah. That was, that's more for women. The Reset's for men, Refresh for women. But we kind of encourage men to read Refresh and women to read Reset so that they can understand one another better because I think male and female experience of this is slightly different. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, can you tell us a little bit of the story behind you writing these two books? Yeah, sure. I wrote the book from a position of painful personal experience, not from a position of great expertise. Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, but I would say providentially, because God's in control and God brings great good out of our fails and our falls. But I suffered with burnout probably twice in my life, maybe even three times, actually. The first major one was 2011. Ended up in hospital, actually, James, with blood clots in my lungs. And that might seem a strange connection, burnout, blood clots. But as I processed this, went through this, began to see the, yeah, the unbreakable connection between the body and the mind and the soul and how damaging consequences. A stressed lifestyle creates a stressed body, which has damaging consequences. And you would have thought I would have learned my lesson because that was a <laughs> that was a life threatening condition, and as you know, people die from that even today. But no, I unfortunately went back to my default lifestyle. Not immediately. I probably had one or two good years where I was a good boy, but yeah, I went back to my my default, deeply inbred patterns, and and ended up in the same place with the same problem. And that time was like okay. 
you know, that's two strikes, three strikes and you're out. So <laughs> I really did stop and take stock and started thinking, writing. And as I did, it became clear lots of pastors, men in general, were in the same position. And so publisher asked me to put it together and resets the result. Wow. Well, we're so thankful for how the Lord used those struggles and turned it into a resource for all of us. Well, that's what he does, isn't it? He takes our follies and our failures and turns them into into jewels. Yeah. Well, we often hear the term burnout thrown around a lot in our culture today, but it's actually kind of hard to understand exactly what it is. Could you help give us a definition? Yep. Um, so I think you can start with a kind of literal understanding of the word burn out. So it does depict an inner burning that manifests itself eventually outwardly. And it's interesting because those who have studied stress have found that one of the impacts of it is inflammation in the body. So like if you were to look inside our bodies when we're really stressed, there's a redness, there's a rawness. And it's like our bodies are burning. They're overactive. They are, and that eventually comes out in our, in our words, our actions, our, our physical health. So we sort of burn out from the inside out. But that's a, maybe a graphic way of depicting it. I think to approach it more analytically, it's usually divided into three. And, and the first one I think is obvious to everyone. It's what everyone thinks of, and that's exhaustion. So you just, it's like, you know, the candle, eventually it's burned out. It's exhausted of fuel, there's nothing left. So you get physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally exhausted. That's the normal, but it's a bit more complex than that because there's two other components that I think are really important to bear in mind. One is cynicism. So you, know, you could conceive of somebody who's not exhausted, but is very cynical about their their colleagues, their clients, their church members, their, their working, their colleagues. They get detached, they get frustrated, they get distanced, they don't see value in what they're doing. And so they just get very cynical about their calling, their work, those are trying to serve. And then the third element is ineffectiveness. So there might be a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of turning of the wheels, but you're not actually going anywhere, you're not making any progress. Maybe you lack a sense of personal competence and ability, so you kind of stagnate and you, you just plateau. So when you do, there's something called the Maslach Burnout Inventory. It's an online test you can take, and it's very helpful to figure out where you're at in the burnout scale, because it is a scale, it's a spectrum going from burning to burning out to burnt out. And it will also help you discern in which of these three areas are you most burned out? Is it in exhaustion? Is it in cynicism? Is it in ineffectiveness? For a lot of people, the hardest step when you're burnt out is actually acknowledging what's going on. Can you help people understand what's unique about burning out versus having something like a full-on mental breakdown? And particularly, I think for a lot of people, we don't like to talk about it, so you feel alone. And it might be helpful to see just how common burning out might be. Yeah, so a lot of the depression, anxiety that we're seeing today is a result of burnout. It doesn't tend to go the other way that depression, anxiety causes burnout, but burnout leads to anxiety eventually to depression. And, and that makes sense because, you know, if you're burning out, you're just existing at such a fast pace. 
eventually you run down your resources and you lose a sense of just normal functioning. I liken it to, so if you're out in the woods, you see a bear, your fight or flight system kicks in and that's a good thing. You know, you want cortisol, you want adrenaline, you want all that flooding your system because it makes you stronger, faster, quicker. You don't bleed so quickly. The problem is that that system should shut off in about 20 minutes. Either you've run away from the bear, you've fought the bear, or the bear's had you for breakfast. But what happens with stress, with living at that kind of pace is, it's like our fight or flight system switches on, maybe not at a high level, a bear level, but above normal level, and it keeps going and it never turns off. And eventually, it's just like if you're sitting in a car and you keep your foot on the accelerator, eventually that car's going to fall apart. And so the, I think you've got to realize the long-term consequences of this. You might not feel it at the time, but you know, gradually you're wearing down your body and you're going to end up falling apart. So it's to try and see the, the warning signs before that happens and to look out for some of the things I list in Reset and in the initial checklist that will help you stop. And I always say to people, talking about it, is 50% of the remedy. Now, that might seem a bit of an exaggeration, but I, I say it that way to get attention to this, that it's almost half the battle when you're willing to admit it to yourself, especially when you're willing to admit it to others. All the steps after that can are actually usually a lot easier, <laughs> and they're a lot easier than you think they're going to be as well. But that first step of talking about it, especially for men, extremely hard, but it's really the, the break point. It might be easy to think that people who are in ministry would be less susceptible to burnout. You dedicate your whole life to being around the things of God, to talking about the gospel of peace. But oftentimes people in ministry find themselves burnt out often. Why might that be? Yeah, I think one reason is, is the endless demand. The, you can never finish the job. There's always more people to visit, always more people to evangelize, always more sermons to write, always more books to write, always more perfection to bring into your ministry. So there's that sense of you're never quite finished. It's just that endlessness of it all. A lot of jobs are like that today, but the ministry is especially like that. I think as well, so much of ministry is unseen. So you know, you're you're behind your office door, you're preparing sermons, you're praying, you're counselling. Nobody sees these things and sort of people expect to see the pastor. They want to see him doing and being and therefore you're tempted not just to do all the things you need to do privately and behind the door, but then get out and be seen and noticed and I'm busy. So I think that element is there. I think the ministry is so enjoyable you know, and that's in my own burnout. I, I like, I was doing good things. It was, you know, it was conferences and preaching and teaching and all that. And it's so enjoyable. I mean, there's nothing more enjoyable, as you know. You're in the, you're in ministry, James. Yourself. It's, you know, you're serving the Lord. You're seeing change in people. You're helping them. You know, you're discipling. You're seeing souls saved. That is like, there's nothing like it in all the world. So, in a way limiting your ministry hours and labor is an act of self-denial in a way for your own good but also for people's good as well so i think these are some of the complications in ministry that we have to recognize are not in other jobs you mentioned the diagnostic tool 
which you include in your book, which helps people measure how burnt out they might be. Are there other tactics that people in ministry could use that would help raise the alarm when they're getting close to burnout? You mean things people see in themselves? Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I'll just speak from personal experience here and and maybe also, yeah, from others. I've talked to some common things I've heard. I think shortening of prayer, personal prayer, is a big indicator of something's not right. Um, where the apostles asked for deacons so they could give themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. So that's a big component of ministry life. If it's not there, something's in its place. I think the sleep thing is a really big one. Am I taking long to get to sleep? Am I waking up early in the morning? Am I waking up frequently through the night? I think that's a really good indicator of where you're at in the burnout scale. And I think your wife's a great resource, or if women are listening, your husband is a great resource. They know us best. And I know, for example, my own wife can actually tell where I am better than I can. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah, every man laughs at that point. Uh You know, you're sitting at the dinner table and you think you're there. You know, I'm there. And she says, eh, David, you're not here. You know, where are you? You know, I, oh, right, okay. And if that's happening regularly, then again, something's wrong. The switch isn't going off properly. Yeah, not making time for friendships. When every relationship is a pastoral relationship, there's something wrong. So, I don't know, the, everyone's different, but these are common features. Oh, yeah, one, let me give you one more, James, and that is pastors not taking a full day off a week. That, you know, they, they might take an hour here, a couple of hours here, an afternoon, but, you know, failing to obey the Sabbath principle in their lives is also a, a common indicator of something's wrong. So here's a tough one. As if I haven't asked tough questions already. I, can t- I went a little off script to, uh, to make it a little bit more fun. So <laughs> thanks for hanging with me. Okay, okay. This one's on the list, though. <laughs> so you're in ministry and you're burning out. How do you talk to your session, your congregation? How should you think about talking about that topic with your church? I think that ideally you talk to a trusted elder first of all. And I'm not saying all your elders aren't trustworthy, but usually a minister has an elder that they have a special relationship with. And, you know, he'll be able to tell in a way that better way than we can, what is the best way to go in this setting, in this congregation? Is it best to take this to the whole elders? Is it best to take it beyond that to the congregation? I, I mean, I always think it's best to take a graduated approach rather than just like go the full way, you know, break down in front of the congregation and just, yeah. So, you know, start with one elder and, you know, just take some advice, see if he can help you tweak things. Then if, you know, bigger measures are needed and you need to inform your elders, then you would go to elders. And again, hopefully this would make it unnecessary to go to the whole congregation. So you're, you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to protect. And that's not to say ultimately you don't tell the congregation. Of course, that might come. Even if you get better, I always think it's good for a minister to be transparent and maybe especially to do so to prevent a recurrence because it's, you know, there will be patterns of ministry that have led up to this, patterns of expectation. 
unless these are addressed and changed, then we're going to end up in the same place again. So you'll never get full understanding, full agreement in a congregation. You know, a lot of people still don't quite understand what ministers do and why it should be so stressful. But I would think most Christian people today, actually, would be a lot more sympathetic than they used to be. I mean, very few people want to lose their pastor. So it's kind of self-interest as well that a congregation gets round the pastor and his family and helps him through this and changes some patterns and expectations. Well, what can someone in ministry do to help recover from burnout? Yeah, I, I once um, talked to a, a Christian friend of mine who works in the field of psychology, and he, he, I asked him, what does he do for people with depression? And he said, three pills. And I was like, oh boy, this is like all the caricatures confirmed. He said, good diet, good exercise, and good sleep. Now, he wasn't saying that was all that was needed, but he was saying, here's your foundation. Here's where we begin. And so there's even someone I know close to me who we've just started a Google Doc with three measures that are daily tracked. And he has to, you know, enter. And I can see every day where he's going. So I think keep it. don't like try and attack it on 10 fronts. Try and go for the low-hanging fruit, what gives you most return on investment. And... I think once you've got that, and, and get some accountability, whether it's a wife, an elder, a friend, fellow pastor, and then once you've got that, I think you maybe be in a better position to begin to address some of the false thinking, the false ideas, the false theology, actually, that is behind burnout. Usually you can't see that when you're unhealthy, when you're exhausted, when you're run down, when you're lacking sleep. And But once you begin to get a, a base, not a high level, but a base level of health, physical health, you can begin to think more deeply about, okay, who am I? And who is God? And what is ministry? And what is the gospel? And you can do that on your own. I think it's also good to process it with someone else, a Christian friend, Christian counselor, biblical counselor, someone like that, that can really just, you know, be more objective in your life. And that's what I've seen a lot in, in my own life too. I learned more theology through burnout at least experientially, than I did in seminary. Because, you know, you you have wrong views of God, wrong views of yourself, wrong views of what it means to be a servant and to be sacrificial. And so you just learn a lot through this. And it's a joy to see that, actually, in many men's lives. I almost say to anyone who contacts me with this problem, you know, there's actually a great that's going to be born from this. There's a lot you're going to learn. I know it's painful. None of us want to go through it. But you're going to learn your Bible. You're going to learn about God. You're going to learn about the gospel in brand new ways that you will never forget. You'll forget your seminary classes. You won't forget this. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Dr. Murray. In the meantime, visit ministrynetwork.com forward slash behind the pulpit to learn about our new teaching series with John Piper, Tim Keller, Alistair Begg, and many more.